Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep, and more. A few years back, I started to hear the term adulting. As a member of Gen X and a communicator, I found the word kind of annoying. Firstly, adulting isn't a verb. It's not even a word. If you haven't heard it, it's a term used often by millennials to bemoan the pressures of adult life. You know, like paying rent, washing your own clothes, cooking dinner every night. And I get it. And it's kind of funny But it also points to a wider problem that social researcher Maggie Hamilton outlines in her new book, What Happens to Our Kids When We Fail to Grow Up. Hi, Maggie. Welcome to Feed, Play, Love. Hi, Siobhan. Lovely to be with you. Tell me, what is it that you've observed in your research that makes you think adults today are experiencing a kind of prolonged adolescence? Yeah, look, it's a, it, what I've noticed over the last few years, Siobhan, is a new fragility, I'd say, around things that really shouldn't make us fragile. That's not to say that we don't have dark times in our lives. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about the overwhelm that we're seeing often around the kind of issues you're talking about, um, also in the workplace, and um, in relationships, how to deal with, you know, the difficulties that happen, whether it's in a romantic relationship, family, or um, a friendship where, you know, things take a turn that we hadn't expected, which is distressing, but how we kind of remedy those things. And I felt I needed to kind of look at it to, I, I generally write books about things I want to understand. It's like a giant crossword puzzle for me. So this is what the book is about, is attempt to kind of understand why the, the, the blaming, the complaining, you know, why, why are we so reactive about things that really are quite little? You know, it's almost like we've all dropped into the story The Princess and the Pea, where we're <laughs> super, super sensitive about things that really and truly should not even ruffle our days, let alone ruin them. And I just don't think that's helpful for us. And while you were looking at these topics, did you get a sense of how we've come to this place? Yes, and one of it is our, our kind of overemphasis of the youth culture and being, look, being young and adolescent is a, is, a, is a wonderful thing in many ways, that bright-eyed enthusiasm we have to take on life. But the other side of it is that there's a shadow side to adolescence. It's, it's very tribal. It's all, it has to be right. Um, it doesn't want to listen to other people. It's, it doesn't like difference and can actually be quite cruel around people who are different and so on. And this... I've traced back to after the Second World War because so many adults had died during the war. There was a disproportionate number of young people and the emphasis was on really, you know, allowing that generation to forge ahead after all the horrors of war and death and destruction and mutilation, which is all quite understandable. 
but it all went overboard because it kind of what we've come to is this thing that unless we're all you know wrinkle free and flat stomach and <laughs> everything else you know we really don't deserve a place in society and when you look at the complex i mean i'm overstating it but you know what i mean mm. and when you look at the complex things we're dealing with now we can't afford to have such a kind of candy floss view of what life's about mm. we can't afford to have kids growing up wanting to be famous because they just want to live in a house full of stuff and be able to do what they want 24-7. You know, that doesn't build rich lives. I must admit that when I saw the title of this book, I did feel a bit defensive. Um, yes. <laughs> parents today, yeah. you know, we can often feel like we we can't get anything right by anyone's standards. No, no, absolutely. But, you know, but after reading the book i feel it feels like more of a critique of society as a whole and where we yes. are at as a whole as opposed to pointing a finger at parents and saying here's another thing you're doing wrong i mean would i have that right you absolutely have that right siobhan and my original title was what happens when we fail to grow up and my publishers were very keen that i put the kids in because, you know, of the focus on the future, but it's absolutely about all of us. And what I really want to say to parents listening is, I know how hard it can be and how lonely and frustrating and, and the criticism that parents get today, which is often not helpful. What we need to be doing is nourishing our parents, not criticising them, but it is. And and really what I'm looking at, the kind of adolescent kind of un, unable to grow up kind of syndrome, the Peter Pan syndrome, really I think stretches right across all generations. So, you know, we've got plenty of retired people behaving like, this as well but the problem is if we if we are peter pans then we fall into that thing of constantly complaining which is a place of powerlessness we're bored all the time which is an indication that we are losing connection with the world around us and we get lost in novelty so we're always chasing the next thing and the next and there's no place for wonderment or those things that feed us more deeply that kind of feed us for those times in life when things are tough so that we actually have a reserve of positivity inside us for for the inevitable dark nights of the soul and i guess that's what i've written the book for i've i've tried to write it very gently in a way that nobody feels got at although i you know i i do kind of try to understand what's happening and in the introduction i actually say the, in the process of writing the book, it's actually helped me grow up part of myself that, uh, you know, in certain situations where I, I really would be happy to stand back and let other people take the lead, let someone else do the heavy lifting, which is sometimes just a confidence thing So for us all. So it's been a growth process for me. But also I hope it helps because it's not just about the reader. It's about the reader being able to identify the people in their lives to recognise when the adolescent in other people comes out to play. 
And this might be in a wider family situation where everybody's held hostage by one or two people. It can be in a workplace where a co-worker might be up to all sorts of manipulative gains to get what they want at the expense of others. It might be a boss who, who you know, plays the angry adolescent or whatever. So I've tried to look at this in quite a wide context so that we can start to think, uh-oh, I'm dealing with a Peter Pan. And the reason why I use the Peter Pan is because when you go back to the story, the reason Peter Pan can live in Neverland is because he has a Wendy to pick up the pieces and clean up after him. And I think it's important, you know, when we can see ourselves in that situation, Siobhan, because as the story goes, eventually Wendy gets so old and tired, poor love, not surprisingly, <laughs> that she hands the job over to her daughter and because, of course, Peter Pan has this immortal quality about him and the lost boys, lost being a bit of a clue. And then when that poor woman gets exhausted, she hands it over to her daughter. And I think, I think it's a really powerful tale because there is no end to picking up the pieces of those who refuse to grow up. And I think um, what I took out of the book is really the key is the word growing up and the idea yes. of what growth actually means as a human being. You yeah. mentioned earlier that you, you think that part of the reason we've come to this place is this obsession with youth. And I feel like we really lack visual examples of people getting older and embracing their age and their wisdom and there's a real lack I of agree. mentors in that sense. You know, I, I'm like, I want to see those amazing women who aren't using Botox, who are saying, look at me, I'm this old, I've lived a great life, and this is, this is part of aging, and this is part of growth, but it's just not there. It's not there, Siobhan, and I think this is because a lot of people in, in that retired age group have followed this thing of you know wanting to stay young and to a degree that is not helpful to them and is certainly not helpful to those who who look to them for strength and the thing is as we grow into what I've also tried to um, communicate is that adulthood has many many gifts of richness you know if you stay the adolescent you're forever vulnerable forever wondering what to do with your life forever dependent forever subject to moods, etc. Who wants to lead their lives like that? Now, mm. I'm not saying that as an adult life is perfect, but to give an example of what you're talking about, about that wise older mentor, when the bushfires were on, I read a lovely article, well, a, a sad article about what was happening down the south coast um, in New South Wales, you know, with some of the communities that have been evacuated. And one of the people said she was a young mother with children and obviously very frightened. Why wouldn't you be? And she said the person that saved the day was a 70-year-old woman who went round holding people's hands and reassuring them. Mm. And when I read that, that almost brought me to tears because I thought this is what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that, say, I'm the older woman, I've, I've walked further than you. I'm not better than you, 
but you know i've probably lost more people than you have been through more dark nights with souls so i know what it's like and i'm going to hold your hand so that you know i know and that i'm with you in this moment now what we're getting at i feel with this then siobhan is what it means to be human in all its beauty and genuine empowerment and this is when it gets exciting i think when you talk about distractions um no novelty being a distraction instead of having that time to reflect and i can't imagine achieving any kind of growth without reflection and a real vehicle of distraction is of course our phones did you see the impact of phones on that kind of hook into it never stopping, slowing, or, you know, it's that instant gratification we've all become so used to. Um, does that feed into it? It does. And so does streaming. And so does Uber Eats. It's that thing of also those things that make us, to, we, we need to, all of us, um, become aware of when we are slipping away from the fabric, the social fabric, it might be the home fabric, or it might be a wider fabric. And, you know, we've got research now showing that the moment, you know, people are in a gathering and the moment, and there's always lulls in those gatherings, they get out their phone. Now, I was, I was lucky to go to Sunday school which I enjoyed more for meeting people, I think, than anything else. But two things I learned there. One was what fun it was to pass around food because that's how you got to know people and you got over your nervousness. But the best thing I learned was if you really want to know what's going on in life, go and help in the kitchen because that's where the best conversation is to be had and particularly those confidential kind of conversations often happen in the kitchen and you know as a as a little girl growing up where you know often conversations were out of your ears mm. listening which was always very <laughs> annoying because you're desperate to you know you could tell by the certain tone in a voice that this is something that was really good but you you won't be allowed to listen it's all these little things that and, and even today you know I will I'll, I'll wander into friend's kitchen and, and help, not not because I'm trying to get all the goss out of them, but it's just a lovely way to talk. It's an intimate way to catch up, you know, helping pop things in the dishwasher and things like that if there's a whole lot of people around. And it's it's these kind of very, often very humble, very simple little things that that bring that joy to life. And... And the thing is about growing up is that we grow into who we are and hopefully we never stop learning and, and you know, that thing of knowing ultimately what you want to do with your life. I think always there should be a little question there so that you're trying new stuff. But hopefully what we do is grow into become kind and wise individuals and who can tell the truth kindly, be prepared to be wrong and and curious and i think you know also we have to learn to self-soothe and this is the problem with novelty one of the people i quote in the book is an essayist wendell berry whose work i love and he said that novelty has crept in as creativity has declined and he he believes it's creating 
what he calls a new kind of loneliness where we chase this and it's candy floss and tastes good in the moment and you know by next week we've forgotten about it and we we do that as a perpetual pattern and he said we don't really recover from that until we start to connect with things greater than our individual selves and i think that's true i think there's something in the human spirit that does want to connect with something larger than our individual vision and and we get glimpses of that you know like in the bushfires again you know the wonderful things many people did the kind extraordinary things and just to even watch those clips was exhilarating it speaks to something powerful in, as who we are and of course the other thing i think is to get our inner flaneur on and of course all these things we can do with the kids as well so we we be curious and you know we do spontaneous stuff and you know go for a walk in the bush or the local park have a spontaneous picnic don't try to be perfect just do something that'll be enjoyable and fun keep it simple i mean you do in the book talk about ways um very practical ways that we can help pave the way for our kids to take that path towards adulthood young kids can you talk about a few of those things that you mention in the books that we can sort of almost gift to our kids, even though at the time they may not feel like it's a gift? No, no. Well, I think there's a number of things. I think helping, if we can characterise helping as a privilege, not a punishment, and step those up, you know, obviously what you ask a four-year-old is going to be different to what you ask a five- or six-year-old to do. But for them, as they grow, to step up into a new little way of helping and really honour that gives them a sense of their place in the family or their place in the street. You know, perhaps you're going down the road to help a neighbour do something and they come with you and they see how that's done. And it's also about how they start to gather community around them and create their own little village. And they do that by um, being curious about people and not just, I think it's a mistake when for any age of child, but particularly younger children, um, because this is when they're more open to a wider range of possibilities, is to just want to play with kids their own age. Now, obviously, that's really important. But, you know, not everybody has grandma or grandpa around, but often there are older, trusted friends who are wise and have great senses of humour and so on, where the children can spend a little time, not necessarily one-on-one, -on -one, but in the company of and learn to observe that somebody who's perhaps grandma's age is different from mum and dad's age and has different ways of doing things and this starts to give them a comfort with people of different ages and to see that everybody has something to give and i think this is really important because in my earlier books on girls and boys where i look a lot of a lot of their big issues uh, that teenagers are facing now one thing that blew me away was that in nearly every teenager I spoke to, it was the grandparent or grandparent figure or 
auntie or auntie figure or uncle or uncle figure that had a profound effect on their lives became somebody later on they felt they might confess something to or don't mean anything necessarily dramatic or ask a question about that they don't feel they want to ask mum and dad at that moment and so these figures are incredibly important in our children's lives but they they need to have to start to learn the social skills to deal with that. We also need to, and it's a good age to start to do it from around or before going to school, but you know, for on, to start to teach our little ones to self-soothe. And we'd start that by getting them to learn to name their emotions. And we also help that by having a family culture where mum and dad talk about how they're feeling, not in great length, but to say, you know, today mum's feeling a little bit sad or really tired and doing it in a very non-dramatic way. But that helps kids to start to isolate how they are feeling so you might say i'm feeling a little bit sad so i think we might just go for a walk in the park so you're connecting in their little minds that sadness and perhaps a little walk in nature is a good thing little tiny links that they can make that start them on their road to independence and part of that is emotional independence by being able to so they're not frightened of emotions Mm, and it's definitely something I feel that many adults could do with emotional self-regulation. Absolutely. <laughs> Maggie, it is a beautiful book and I feel like in many ways it's a, it's a guide to how we can all grow up and keep growing and evolving and becoming better humans. So thank you so much for your time today and for the lovely book. Thank you. Thank you too, Siobhan. Such a pleasure to speak with you. That's social researcher Maggie Hamilton. Her book is called What Happens to Our Kids When We Fail to Grow Up. For more information, check out the links in the notes of this episode. I'm Siobhan Hunt. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us so we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, send your email to feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.